Welcome to the Gospel in Lagos, the sermon podcast of City Church. City Church is a community of worshippers and mission. We exist to catalyze a gospel-centered movement that renews Lagos spiritually, socially, and culturally. You can find out more about us at www.citychurchlagos.com. City Church, love Jesus, love people, love Lagos. morning church the bible reading today is taken from the book of first peter chapter 3 verses 1 to 7. when i finish reading i would say this is the word of the lord you have to respond with thanks be to god wives in the same way submit yourselves to your own husband so that if any of them do not believe the word they may be won over without words by the behavior of their wives when they see the purity and reference of their wives your beauty should not come from outward adornment, such as elaborate hairstyles and the way most children or fine clothes. Rather, it should be that of your inner self, the unfading beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is of great worth in God's sight. For this is the way the holy women of the past, who put their hope in God, used to adorn themselves. They submitted themselves to their own husbands, like Sarah, who obeyed Abraham and called him her Lord. You are daughters if you do what is right and do not give way to fear. Husbands, in the same way, be considered as you live with your wives and treat them with respect as a weaker partner and as heirs with you of the gracious gift of life, so that nothing will hinder your prayers. This is the word of the Lord. Yes, thank you. Um, thank you for joining us once again, especially if this is your first time. We're glad to have you. For those of us that are regular attendees um, or those of us that are members, we are glad that we are able to do church. We are glad that we are able to maintain this relationship um, as brothers and sisters in spite of all that is happening to us and around us. But many relationships are having it worse. You know, Many relationships are really struggling at this time. And for some of us, it might be you finding yourself texting your ex. Again, you're just picking up your phone and you're saying, Hey, hi. Um, you know, you know, should be doing but you say, Hey, um, you know, just, just wanted to check on you. Um, hope you're keeping safe. But some of us, is you just started dating before the lockdown. You had one or two, three dates, and you're into the guy, but now you don't know when you're going to see him or if you're going to see him. And some of us are even having dates on Zoom, you know, meeting new people on Zoom. And say, if you're this cool on Zoom, man, I can't wait to meet you in person. Like, I can't wait for this corona thing to be over. And for some of us, um, they are they're having, people are having parties on Zoom. They are doing meetings on Zoom. But some people have actually had breakups on Zoom. Like, guys, babes, so you're that wicked that you can break break up with somebody on zoom man they call it zonked like those who are dumped on zoom have been zonked it's a digital trend you can check it up it's, it's really trendy now but then these are the people that I even pity more friends of mine you know other people who are who have cancelled or postponed their weddings because of the coronavirus lockdown and i have like four or five friends or so but there are some people who have said in spite of what is we are going to have our wedding it's even better like, you know, in Nigerian wedding, you have to spend millions on things that you're not supposed to spend. So, we'll say, ah, it's even good. We're not going to spend money. So, we'll just do this wedding, get of shit, Mr. Send the links to people, and then just have this thing, do it quick, quick. And this one is cool because you can scrap different things in this wedding. You don't have to spend money, you don't have to spend so much time. You can scrap the procession. And this one, you can scrap the recession. The way you're going out again, you can scrap the. Uh, you can scrap the long sermon. You know, those are pastors that want to preach sermon for all the things happening who's married that day. You can scrap the that part where someone say, um, 
Hey, is there anyone in, in here who feels like there's a reason for this couple not to be joined? You can scrap that part. But then I know there's some parts that will not like to be scrapped. For instance, I know many of us will say, oh, no, you have to keep the... Now, you may kiss the bride part. You know, that part, leave it, leave it. Or the blessing part, where the pastor blesses. But there's one very, very important part. The vow part. The vow part where, oh, where all of those sweet things are said. You know, some people have said that whenever that, when, when they were to say their vows to each other, they felt like they were the only people in the entire hall. They were the only people in the entire room. This time on Zoom, you are actually the only people. And so these vow parts, where these vows parts, you know, I know there are all these, you know, I love you vows, uh, you are wonderful vows, but I, the vows, the vows that have lasted so long, that have stayed, that have stood the test, that have stayed for so long, that have, that have stood the test of time, you know, the very old vows, the very original ones, were those where you yeah, to love and to cherish, for richer, for poorer, in sickness and health, to death do us part, like for better, for worse. Those are vows. Those are main vows. Original vows. But how real are those vows? Like, how, how much of those vows will be lived for real in the life of not just the Zoom weddings, but even in marriages that happened long ago before coronavirus, or the ones that will happen after coronavirus? How true do spouses live to, this, to these vows? Even in the best of marriages, you know, I've spoken to a lot of people just with my small experience in marriage. I've also spoken to a lot of people who have had good marriages. And they tell you, it's not always roses hard many days. You know, like Ted always said to me, Ted once said to me, like this is my favorite aphorism um, for marriage now. He said, ah, Dami, I used to meet him, I asked for advice. He said, Dami, you've heard that marriage is hard. I said, yes. He said, it's harder than what you think. He said, you've heard that marriage is sweet. He said, it's sweeter than what you think. And that's what is it for many marriages. And for, for many good marriages. You see, they don't love, though they love and cherish each other, but they don't love and cherish each other all the time. Though they have many good days, they have better days um, than they would, have, they would have wished, but they have also had some bad days, had some terrible days, they've had some days where you feel like, oh, I just wish I can take a break from this marriage. Or how did I even end up with this guy? There are much more struggling marriages where most of the time the case is, they don't even love and cherish each other. You know, this might have been caused by different things, might have been caused by um, things that happened in their marriage. You know, they couldn't, couldn't have, you can't have children, or one spouse lost their job, and so now they have to depend on one spouse, and this has brought, this has brought stress to the relationship to the marriage, or maybe one spouse is now taking ill with a major, with a fatal illness. All of these have brought stress into the marriage. Or now, during this coronavirus season, you know, this time of distress, this time of confusion, this time of prolonged uncertainty, it has a way of making us more irritable. It has made us more frustrated. You find ourselves being impassive. All everything just happening in one space. You are husband, you are employee, you are, um, you are the parent, you are the teacher of your kids, you are reaching your fan friends there, you are exercising all in one space. Man, it's so stressing. And then maybe your spouse um, works as a nurse, as a doctor, or works in essential services, and so you live with this fear that ah, I hope she doesn't come with the stuff one day, I hope he doesn't come in with the virus one day. For some spouses, they find you find yourself, you find one of you is trapped in another city, trapped in another country because of the lockdown, you come to each other, and so this begins tension into your relationship. But for some others who are already going through tense relationships, so you've, you guys have already left each other emotionally for a long time, and now this lockdown is forcing you to live in harmony. Harmony that you've not had for years, for months. Now lockdown is saying you have to live in this one space. How are you going to do it? 
before you had ways to cope. You can drive off when she annoys you. Oh, you can take a stroll when she annoys you. Oh, you can just go do something. Go and go to party, go to the, to go to the bar when she annoys you, when he annoys you. But now, you have lesser ways to cope. So how do you go through these kind of times in your marriage? You, your anger issues are not showing. Your selfishness, selfishness issues are not showing. And so this marriage is not even for better, for worse. It's like for worse, for worse. But Peter writes to us in what we just read. He's writing to husbands and to wives in a tough culture, in a time, in a tough place, in the Greco-Roman culture. He's telling them, you see, you can. You can. There is a way for you in suffering, in distress, in pain, to still imitate the example of Christ in the suffering. There's still a way. And so what he says is applicable to us for now, this season, and beyond the season, to come out better out of the bad and out of the worst days of our marriage. And so, the two major parts we're going to see today. The first part is what, how, like what, what is this, what is this, what is this example that we're supposed to embrace um, of Christ in our marriage, in a, in, a for, in a for better, for worse marriage? What is this example? And then the other part is how does it work? How do we begin to live this example? How do we get the power? To live out this example. And so we've titled this example for worse, for better. Because you know, many days or more days is worse than it is better. So for worse, for better. And so this first part, um, what you need, what is the example that we need to follow, the example of Christ we need to follow. You're going to see two things. We're going to see two things. We're going to see that Peter is asking us to, to treat your spouses better than they treat you. And then treat your spouses better than others expect you to. Treat your spouses better than they treat you, and treat your spouses better than others expect you to. So treat your spouse better than they treat you. And you see in verse 1, um, Peter, Peter says this to the wife first. He says, Wives, in the same way, submit yourselves to your own husbands, so that if any of them do not believe the word, they may be won over without words by the behavior of their wives. When they see the purity and reverence of your lives, you see, one over, you see, without words, by behavior, purity and reverence. In verse 7, he speaks to husband. See what it says. It says, be considerate as you live with, as you live with your wives. And then to the end of, at the end of the verse 7, he says, so that nothing will hinder your prayers. There is a difference in the manner of treatment expected from the wives and the husbands. But the purpose is the same. The purpose is to treat your spouse better than he treats you, better than she treats you. We will get to the difference later, but for now, I want us to focus on this, on what we've been asked to as wives and as husbands. You see, why are many marriages in a fix? Why are our marriages, are some marriages going through more worse days than better days? And see what Peter will say. Peter will say it is because spouses focus, talk about, lament so much on what the other person is not doing. Too much. And then try to change the person without changing themselves. I can't, I can't see any good that you're doing. I can't. Oh, you. You is because you don't listen. You don't listen to anything. You don't listen. Ah, look at the way. Look at the way you talk to me. Look at the way you talk to me in front of the autobus. Look at the way. He said, why would I not talk to you like that? Look at the way you two dropped the plates. Look at the way you served them. Look at the cup you used. And so, marriages are in a fix. They're expressing more worse days than better days because they have become somewhat like a pedestrian log jam. You know when you're walking on the road 
And then the world is the road is so crowded. You know, in very crowded cities, you have in crowded streets, you have this. And then you meet somebody on the road and you want to go like this person's coming like this. You want to go like this person comes like this. You want to go like this person comes like this. You want to go and it keeps happening. That is what many marriages have become. There is a back and forth. Oh, the husband says this and the woman tries to block it like this. Oh, the wife says this and the woman and, and the husband brings this out too. Just back and forth, focusing on what each other is doing wrong. You know what Peter says? Peter says, shouldn't you see Peter is saying to us, like some of us will start asking, <clears throat> so so do you mean that we shouldn't call each other out? Do you mean we shouldn't try to make the other person change their ways? No, see what Peter says. Peter says, You should. But if that is the major way you hope to make this marriage better, Peter responds to wife first. He says, If that is the only way, look at this. He says, No, 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 that's not the way. He says, This is what you should do. First to wives. He's saying, he say, he say, submit yourself to your own husband so that if any of them do not believe the word, they may be won over. And so Peter is saying, Wives. He's even talking here to wives, Christian wives, that have husbands and all Christians. He's saying that it is a way you can behave. He says, he says, this behavior, this change, this thing that I'm expecting of you, you do it without words, but by behavior. And he's saying you can win them over. So he's saying, you see, there's a way you can act, regardless of how your husband is treating you. There is a way you can treat your husband, regardless of how he's acting towards you, that can even win him over, even if he's, a, he's not a Christian. Then how much more? If he's a Christian. I see what Peter is saying. Peter is saying, no matter how stubborn, no matter how disobedient, oh, even if your husband is an I don't care, or I don't want to change husband, oh, I'm not going to your church husband, oh, just accept me as I am. You knew who I was before you married me husband. Peter is saying that there is a way to win them over. And what does he say? He says without words. Oh, you should not be saying, ah, is that what they are teaching you in church? No. Oh, you should not be saying, ah, can't you see brother Joseph or Tubo? Why can't you be like him? No. Peter is not saying you should say, Oh, you 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 you're not going you don't want to change. That is it. You don't want to change. That's why we're going through this stuff. You don't want to change. No, Peter is saying without words. Peter is also saying, see, it is not it is not that with silence. It is not with, without words does not mean that you should change your husband, that you should try to win him over. You should treat him with silence. No, because some people will say, Ah, ah, we'll just be looking at him. Whatever you like, you should do. If you like, you should not do. If you like, you should do. I will just be looking at him. Anything he does, I will do. Oh, some people say, um, because you know what Peter says? The Peter says, by behavior. So some people say, ah, so I will give him what he gives me. No, 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 no. You are missing Peter here. Peter is saying, by behavior, by conduct, by your manner. Not doing to him as he does to you, but he's saying, when he sees the purity and reverence of your life. The purity means that, you see, you act in a way that is innocent. In a way that is almost faultless. You act in a way that is immaculate. Oh, reverence means that you respect him. You give him his due respect. Even if he behaves as though he doesn't deserve it. Even if he doesn't deserve it, you give him his respect. You act innocent towards him. Oh, when he says, oh, woman, have you seen your son's report card? And then normally you will say, my son, ah, ah, eh, is it not our son? Oh, why will I even blame you? You that spent all your days, all your hours, your whole life in the office. I'm not, I'm not even sure you even still remember his name. No, no, Peter will say, no, 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 no. Your husband treats you that way. Is it but you, you are expected to treat him better. Oh, Peter will like, rather expect you to say something like this. You say, oh, wow. Yes, I have seen his report card. But it's our son now. Are we not in this together? 
So I have seen it, okay? I've seen it. And I think that it needs to change here and here. I think it needs help in this subject and in that subject. And some of you will say, ah, I won't do that though. <laughs> Me, I will not try that kind of thing. Because I, it will not change. I know the man that I have married. It will not change. It's very good. It will not, does not listen to anybody. You see, the word of God says that if any of them do not believe the word, they may be won over. Peter is saying they can change. God is saying his word that they can change, even if they're not Christians. So why would you say they can't? Treat your husband better. You see, your response really is not to try to change him. He's saying you should change the way that you behave by your behavior. And hopefully, hopefully that will win the man over. You see the difference? You see, but Peter does not rest with the, with the wives. Peter goes on to the husbands. In verse 7, Peter says, Be considerate as you live with your wives. Be considerate. You see, be considerate means to think and act with an especial kind of knowledge, with knowledge of an especial kind and relatively high character. With knowledge of an especial kind and relatively high character. And what does this mean? You see, if you, you hear some husband say, Oh, I, I locked her outside. Why, why won't I lock her outside? She said she was going to return at this time. But see when she returned. No, she des- that's what she deserves. She needs, to be lo- she needs to be taught a lesson. No, Peter said, you treat her with an exceptionally high character. Not, not going the low way with her because she comes the low way at you. Oh, not because she disrespected you. So you do not consider you say no oh some men will say ah i screamed i screamed at her i sh- I, I didn't even i never eat out i just screamed at her look at what she did now she did not tell me i've told her that every time before the gas finishes you should tell me she's like now what are we going to eat this night what now is going to happen peter said no be considerate be considerate don't do the least don't do the minimum you say go for a high level of character or someone who say like I'm saying, ah, I do not eat her. I do not never ever touch my wife. Never ever have I slapped her. Oh, but do you love her? Oh, but do you treat her tenderly? Oh, do you think good thoughts of her? Oh, do you care for her truly? But do you say, no, 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 we must have sex now. Now, as I'm saying, I just want it. That's what I want now. Oh, we must talk about it now. Regardless of how tired she's been from work, regardless of how tired she is from taking care of the kids that you've left at home, be considerate. Be considerate means that you should think good, like I'm saying. Is it to think good? If some people think women, we, only women, only wives, nah, there's, that, there's that notion that women are the ones who nah. No, 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 no. But if you know what nagging really means, then you will see that husbands too do nag. How do you notice nagging? Is it nagging is nagging? Anytime you hear words like this, you hear phrases like this, sentences that start with, oh, you never, you, you, you've never, you've never ever cleared, cleaned the house without, without me asking you, you've never. Ah, really? She has never. Oh, you always, you always talk like that to me. Oh, she always. Like, since you guys have been married, that is how she always talks to you. Be considerate. Be considerate. Do not be absent. Do not be absent-minded. Be considerate. You see, for, 
For in this part of the world that we live in, and in some other parts, and some people will say in other parts of the world, women, because of our society has been formed and been shaped, women happen to spend most time at home and men more at work. Men tend to be the primary breadwinners. Men, women are the ones whom you find mostly who go to churches, who go for prayer meetings to pray for the success of their family, success of their marriage, the success of their husbands. Women are the ones whom you find most of the time initiating counseling, most of the time. Initiating counseling, oh, that will help their marriage, trying to make things better. You see, but the call that Peter calls husbands to be considered today, Peter is saying to you, husband, he's saying to you, he's asking you, brother, he's asking you, sister, he's saying, he's asking you, brother, he's saying, brother, when was the last time you bought a book? When was the last time you attended a workshop that helped you to develop yourself as a better partner, as a better spouse? When? Why do you spend all the hours and all the days and the weeks at work working on that presentation, working on that project, and then you bring the leftover, the remnant of yourself to your home, to your wife, to your family? Be considerate. Be considerate, husbands. Be considerate. But see, he doesn't stop there. He says that, he says, so that your prayers will not be in that. Oh, so if a man is not being considerate, if a man is not thinking highly of his wife, oh, his prayers might be in that. God will not hear him. Oh, God will not have a, he will not have a close relationship with God. Oh, he will not get answers to prayers. Oh. So he cannot even ask for a change in his wife. Because God, his prayers are in that. If he doesn't think highly of his wife, then what is the chance? If he cannot change his wife, what is the chance that who is going to change his wife? Now his prayers are in that. He said, be considerate. He also leads you to being prayerful. To you seeing that, oh, your powers, your powers to change are, your powers to change your wife, you don't have, you're powerless to. And you come close to God in prayer and you ask him for changing you, for changing your wife, for helping your family. Treat your spouse better than they treat you. Treat your spouse better than they treat you. And so when you do this, <clears throat> you solve this log jam, right? But how do you do this? How do you, how do you, how do you do this? What about yourself? You know, so you say, okay, I'm working on myself, so I should change myself, right? Yes, because you know, from what we've seen is that Peter is saying, he's saying the story of most bad marriages, the story of the worst marriages is often a tale of nagging wives who want obedient husbands, who want their husbands to change. The story of most bad marriages is often a tale of egotistical husbands who are waiting for their wives to be pure, who are waiting for their wives to be reverent. No, but Peter is saying, no, your duty is not to change him, your duty is to change your behavior. Your duty is not to change your duty is to be considerate. You, so you, you've now solved this log jam, right? You solved this pedestrian log jam. You, you know how uh, you know how the pedestrian log jam is solved, the one I spoke of earlier. Oh, so the person is going like this, you are going like this. The person goes like this, you go like this. The person goes like this, you go like this. The only way you resolve is this is for one of you to just stop. It's one of you to just change your habit of trying to go, trying to appease the other person, trying to move before the person just waits. 
just for one person to change from moving and moving and trying and trying to just do something different and then that person passes it's more often than not that is usually the answer not even for both people to stop we just have to take both people to stop just one person stopping and the same thing for our marriages if we're going to move from worse for bad marriages to better to good to good and better marriages you see you don't have to wait for your spouse to treat you right for you to treat him better you don't have to wait for she to respect you before you consider so why do you do this how do you how do you go about working on yourself how do you go about doing the work that you should do you see this takes us to treat your spouse better than others expect you to but you see the problem is this is the point where we begin to listen to others Oh, this is the point where you begin to listen to other other voices in the society. You see what Peter says in verse 3. He says that, you see, your beauty, speaking to wives, he says, your beauty should not come from such things as this. Should not be of outward self, of such things as this. And then not going to say, oh, rather it should be what? It should be of your inner self. And then he now goes on to say, oh, that this is how the holy women of the past adorned themselves. But what is Peter saying? Peter is comparing a kind of adorning. And to adorn means to prepare, to make ready, to, to beautify yourself, to arrange yourself in a particular way. He's saying there is a way to adorn yourself and there is a way not to adorn yourself. He's comparing only women and to other people. You see these others could mean... Could mean Different things ranging from current cultural norms. So this order is where you get your ideas of adorning yourself. Oh, of beautifying yourself. Of knowing how to treat your spouse. Of knowing how to act right. So of knowing what would be better for your spouse, be good for your marriage. Oh, it may come from current cultural norms. It may come from your observations of your friends' marriages. It may come from what you've read in, in novels. It may come from what you've seen on TV, what you've seen in magazines. Oh, Peter said, he said, these things, he said, don't adorn yourself with outward material, outward adornments, like, he said, such as, it means there could be more, he said, elaborate hairstyles, fine jewelry, fine clothes, gold jewelry. Oh, he says, he says, you see, it could, it could go more. It could be, oh, don't, don't adorn yourself with such things as, you know, beautiful skincare products, good skincare products, slim tea that helps you attain a kind of shape, the kind of shape that you've seen on magazine covers. said we should not what is peter saying he says see all this kind of stuff you see when you when you when a woman sees when he sees when a woman sees an inferior product she looks at it she waits and says oh no 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 this one is not good for my skin no this bag oh no 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 this is not good enough this is sanel this is this is not chanel this is sanel no no i don't use this kind of stuff this does not wait and see what Paul is saying. Peter is saying. Peter is saying that see, you see, all of these things that society tell you to regard is oh, you know, hmm, I need to, I need to increase this stuff. I need to in, in, increase that part of my body. Oh, I need to tighten some stuff. Ah, in this Lagos, hey, your husband, they will just be going up and down, be looking for it. If you don't know how to hold them down, you just you must be, you must have it. If you don't have it, you can't keep them. And so Peter is saying, no, no, no. You see, those things should not be how you adorn yourself. Look at what he's saying. He's saying that this adornment should be of the inner self. How? How? The inner self. He said that it should be of a quiet and gentle spirit. And this refers to like meekness. This should be about relying on God rather than your own strength to defend yourself against 
injustice, in defend yourself against the bad behavior, against the, the attitude of your husband towards you. Oh, it should be permitting those kind of wrongdoings and saying, oh, I'm not holding that against them. I'm not treating them the way that they've treated you. Quiet and gentle spirits. It says that this has an imperishable quality. This is what unfading beauty means. It says this has an imperishable quality. This has a quality that no accidents. This has a quality that no, 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 that age, old age, that disease, that no bad husband can corrupt. You see, some of the time, you see, these orders can also refer to church traditions. You know, church traditions that tell you, oh, you see, beauty is not about all this, wearing all this kind of clothes, wearing this kind of dress, having this. You see, beauty is about not covering you, about covering your hair, to expose it. It's a beauty is about not wearing your rings. So this beauty that I speak of here is a beauty of you know wear don't wear trousers, wear skirts that cover it all. Ah no 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 no. Peter is saying no, that is still outward. No matter how pure, no matter how holy it looks, it is not what the holy women did. No, that is not how you define holiness of your wife. He said it's of the inner self. See, and this is worthy in God's sight. Ah, God looks at this at this kind of beauty. God looks at this kind of adornment and says, He weighs, He looks at a woman who prides herself in how sexy she is. He looks at a woman who prides herself in the kind of fashion accessories that she has and says, ah, This is how I'm going to keep hold my marriage. This is how I'm going to show that I'm a good wife. And God weighs and God says, oh, No, 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 no. This is this is not original. This is Sanel. You no, know, this is this is not original. But when God sees a woman with a quiet and gentle spirit, God says, the Bible says that this is worthy, this is valuable, this is expensive, this is quality in God's sight. You put your hope in God. These women put their hope in God, not in their career, not in their ability to earn, not in, not in their own happiness. Not in living their own truth, as others tell them. Oh, ah, you must earn. Oh, if you don't make enough money as this man, ah, you cannot. You will not respect in your this marriage. Oh, when all the while you and your husband have agreed. Oh, that for this marriage to work well, for us to really live out God's calling to go the places is taking us. I think I should be the one spending more time out working, and then you are better suited because of the phase of life that you're in to be at home. But you keep being jeered up, being jeered at. You keep being be keeping dissuaded by all these voices and some women will say mm, I see but you know the problem you see but men if men continue to judge me by how I look by my beauty if they continue to judge me by if they only respect me when they see that I've achieved something as much as them then why should I focus on this gentle this quiet spirit that you speak of this is a valid question. This is a valid reason that should not be taken lightly. You see, and this, this, this reasoning, this reason is what has led to a society where women continue to use their, their sexuality, their beauty, their youth to access the social powers of men. And men, on the other hand, leverage their social powers to continue to access the beauty, the youth of women. This is sad. But see what Peter says. Peter does not leave the burden on women. Peter addresses men. See what Peter says to men. He says, treat your wives with respect as weaker partners. 
oh this gets into the heads of many women feminists are like oh they say weaker no 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 peter is not saying that women are weaker than men in every regard no he's saying that in physicality generally men the way they've been endowed the way they've been created and made they have been made to they have been made in such a way that they are more often than all generally stronger in strength in physical strength than women we see it in sports in the olympics separate races we see it in how women are more prone to protect to guard to defend to fight wars you see but peter is at no way saying is in no way saying that men are intellectually stronger than women that men are spiritually stronger than women he couldn't have said that because it's earlier in verse one he was saying that wives oh to your husbands who are not believing so women wives are believing but women are not so she could not be saying that women wives are spiritually weaker he's not saying that wives are morally weaker no peter is addressing husband he's saying you husband listen he say treat your wife with respect knowing their weakness knowing how they are socially disempowered You see, in the Greco-Roman culture, women could not divorce their husbands, but husbands could, even when they committed adultery. You see, women could only worship the gods of their husbands. Women could only have friends that are the friends of their husbands. And so Peter is saying, oh, in a culture today, in a culture that is similar to the way women are oppressed, where patriarchy rules and reigns, sadly, he's saying, Treat women respect, considering all of this, considering their ambitions, considering their dreams, considering their aspirations, considering how their lives are being shaped, are being influenced by the experiences they've had in their families, of how their dad treated their mothers, of how they've seen women not rise to the top of their careers because they're just women. He say, consider all of this, consider how disempowered they are, and treat them with respect. Treat them, value them. As in, think them of a higher value than society wants you to. Is it consider them? Is he he's saying that he's saying that women are economically also weak in some way because of childbearing. We know how many women are not able to advance in the careers because of pregnancy, because of childbirth, because of breastfeeding. You see, when you think about all this as men, you should treat them with respect. Don't listen to what the boys at the bar and the night are saying. Oh, they're saying you are not a strong man. Why are you giving her a chance? Why are you letting her to let you do this, to let you do that? But you see what they do not know. You see, they do not know what honor is. This is what most people say to them. They don't know what honor is. They do not know what respecting her is. They don't know what it means to value your wife the way God values her. Even certain church traditions, even certain ministers. He says, he says, treat your wives, treat them with respect as weaker partners and as heirs, even as co-heirs. This is what it really means, even as co-heirs. Treat them like equals. As though they were Christians, as though they were sisters, as though you you had, he said, you have the same value in my sight. Co-heirs, co-heirs. As equals, like you are the same, of the same value, of the same worth. This is how God sees them. This is how God sees men and women. This is how God sees husbands and wives. They have equal value before Him. He said, treat her with respect, knowing that regardless of how society wants you to see her. You see, what we see is that in relationships today, in marriages today, 
we are all adorning ourselves. We are all trying to put ourselves in order. We're all trying to beautify ourselves, to set ourselves properly. But the question is, are we adorning the outside or are we adorning the inside? Wives are asking themselves, oh, am I too unattractive for my husband? Oh, husbands are asking themselves, am I, am I, am I too weak for my wife? what we need to know today, what we are seeing today is that no, you shouldn't be asking, what you should be asking yourself is ah, am I of a gentle and quiet spirit? Do I put my hope in God? Oh, husbands should be asking themselves, oh, do I honor, am I honoring my wife? Am I valuing and respecting her the way God values her? Or am I, you see, am I seeing her as a heir, as a co-heir? That's myself. Treat your spouse better than others expect you to. And this brings us to the second part. And you are going to see two things. So because some of us are saying, and some of, because some of us are saying that, so how can I do this? Like, I can't do this. I can't, I can't treat my spouse better than he treats me. I can't treat my spouse better than she treats me. Like, I can't, like, do you know what it means? My career and all that, online, you know? Like, no, I understand. I don't have to put it online, we have to figure it out, but it's hard, I'm not sure I can do this. But see what, see what, see what, see what Peter was saying, he said, treat your wives as co-heirs of the gracious gift of life. Gracious gift of life. This is a gift, gracious gift, this refers to something that you both have received, not just the husband. So, it's a co-heirs of a gracious gift of life that you both are. Oh, the wife is a, is a heir. Is an heir of the gracious gift of life. Oh, the husband is also an heir of the gracious gift of life. What is this gracious gift of life? Is it this gracious gift of life refers to the kindness, kindness with the focus on the benefits to the person given. This refers to the gift of life, the eternal life that Christian wives and Christian husbands have received. You see, Jesus, is, Peter is saying, "You have received this life. You have received this way of life. You can do it." So how do you get power to this? How can you do it? You see, you must see two things. You must see first that Christ was treated worse than he treated you. That is how this way of life becomes active in you. That's why you're able to live and thrive and make something better out of a worse marriage, out of a bad marriage, out of uh, out of a, make something even with a spouse that is that is not responsive. So first thing you have to see is that Christ was treated worse than he treated you. He said in verse 1 and in verse 7, it both starts with wives in the same way. In verse 7, he said, husbands in the same way. In what way? You have to go back to 1 Peter chapter 2, 21-25. First Peter started talking about that and the week before Easter, saying that dealing with unjust suffering, that was what Pastor was talking about, and he tried to make how Christ, how Christ suffered, Christ's example, and how he shows us how to suffer well. You see, Peter was alluding to, he said, this is the bedrock. This is the foundation. This is why you are able to treat your spouse better than the truth. This is how you are able to treat your spouse better than others expect you to. And what did he say about Christ from 21? The first thing he said, he said, Christ suffered, leaving us an example. Verse 21. Leaving us an example that we should follow in the steps. Ah, what did he say about Christ? He said, he committed no sin and he had no deceit in his mouth. Christ was pure and reverent. He was pure. 
innocent, flawless, no sin, no deceit in his mouth. He wasn't trying to flatter anybody. He wasn't trying to win favors in some tricky way. No, no sin, no deceit in his mouth. Christ was insulted and he did not retaliate. He said he suffered, but he threatened nobody. Oh, Christ was treated worse than he treated you. Ah, you see, Christ was 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 talked at, was insulted, was slapped, but he said nothing in response. This is how wives are able to live. No matter to live with the bad husband, live with the disobedient husband. When you begin to see how Christ was could not did not retaliate, did not respond when he was insulted, when he was reviled. See for husbands, he's saying, he said, Christ, he himself bore our sins in his body on the cross. Oh, husbands, you have this physical strength. Oh, you have this, this social advantage. What do you use it for? He said, Christ bore our sins in his body on the cross. He considered us, our own sins. He was had no sins. But he considered our own sins. Why? So that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. Ah, so that he might win us over. So that he might gain us. So that he might change us. But he didn't wait for us to change before, before he moved to doing his part to change us. No, he didn't wait for us. Christ did not wait for us to change. Before he did what he had to do. Christ bore our sins on the cross. And then, now, not hopefully, but because he bore our sins using his advantage, using his strength on the cross, we can now live unto righteousness. This is how it works. You see, but does it end there? You see, Christ entrusted himself to him who judges justly. He put his hope in God. Hey, what is asking of wives? He said, put your hope in God. What is asking of men? He said, treat them as co with God. How God sees your wife, see your wives, how you should see them. He said, Christ entrusted himself to him who judges justly. There is nothing that is asking us to that he has not done. He said, the power to do it he has also given. That is why he bore our sins. So that we are able to live like this. See, but Christ was also treated worse than others expected him to. Christ came admonishing, say, I'm the way, I'm the truth, and the life. Oh, I am he. Without you, you can't, your sins cannot be clenched. What did he do to him? He was killed. They nailed him to the cross, crucified him. Even though Pontius Pilate came saying, Ah, no, this man is innocent. His wife dreamed and said, This man is innocent. No, you shouldn't treat him this bad. You shouldn't treat him this worse. But what did people see? Isaiah helps us in Isaiah 53, in verse 2. He says that this man had no beauty. Ah, the way Christ was, this is the King of kings, Lord of lords, God Almighty. He said, when people looked at him, when he came in form of a man, they saw nothing beautiful in him. This was Sanel. This was a fake, a fake product. He was using a fake product. He had no beauty in him. What did he say next? He said that he had no majesty. That means he had no social standing. Look at him. What can this one bring? What is, where is this one place in society? Look how weak he is. A weak man. Is this, is this what we're talking about? Nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. It wasn't comely. That's how Christ looked. Going to the cross for us. Going to bear our going to bear our sins, leaving us an example in suffering. Verse 3 says, we held him in low esteem. Christ was treated worse than others expected him to. And this was God. 
you know, Philippians 2 says that this Christ was God. From verse 5, he says, but he taught himself, he didn't think his equality with God as something to be grasped. Ah, he didn't say, oh, I'm God, I'm God, I can't submit to God the Father, I'm God the Son. I can't, no, 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 he didn't say that. He's saying that he did not consider it, but he used his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing to the death, to death on the cross. Christ was willing to submit himself to the will of the Father, to God, till the point of death on the cross. Wives, husbands, this is the example of Christ in his suffering. Wives, this is why submission is not a terrible thing. Submitting, as we see in verse 1 and verse 5 of our text today, is not inferiority. It is not foolishness. Submitting is playing your Jesus' role. Hey, he's playing Jesus' role in your marriage. Submission is not fear. Is it that Sarah, is when you, when you submit to your husband, you say, you are being the daughter of Sarah. You say, you are doing right. If you, if you do this, you say, Sarah called Abraham Lord. You say, when you submit yourself to your husband, you are a daughter. You are a daughter. Why? Because you do what is right and you do not allow fear to haunt you. You are not moved by fear. Submission is not being scared, not being terrorized by your husband. It's not being, it's not agreeing to everything that your husband says. No, because it's not being unconditionally obedient to him. No, that's not what submission is. Submission is not just being compliant to everything that he says. Submission is playing Jesus' role to say, ah, God is more important than my husband. God, I put my hope in God. I entrust myself to God. But God has said that my role in this marriage is to submit to my husband. So Sarah called Abraham Lord and obeyed him. Oh, we know that Sarah did not just obey Abraham unconditionally. Sarah even instructed Abraham at some point, saying, oh, send a guy away. You see, what, the, what, what Peter is pointing out to is Sarah submitted to the pattern. The pattern of marriage that God had in mind. Calling husband Lord. That is what he meant. Sarah did not just comply with everything that Abraham said. No, that is not what submission means. Submission is using your gifts, is using your abilities, using your skills, knowing that you you might be physically weaker than your husband. You're not spiritually weaker. You're not always intellectually weaker. You're not always morally weaker. No. You are blessed with all kinds of experience and gifts and skills and education to serve him, to serve the marriage, to serve God's design, God's purpose for your marriage. And so husbands, seeing also Christ's example, we can also know that our authority, the kind of position we have as leading or considering, the kind of advantage we have is not to be used to please ourselves. It's not to be used to please yourself, but to serve your wife's interests. And that even if you ever get to overrule your spouse's choices, your spouse's decision, it is because you think, it is because you are so certain that this would destroy your family in some regard. You see? So don't use your power to determine how many pieces of meat you get or uh, the kind of, the color of the car that you would use or who gets... When you, when you get oh, oh, I'm going to, no, not using it for yourself for the marriage 
people for your wife. Thank you for listening to the Gospel in Lagos. We pray you've been blessed by this message. To learn more about City Church, visit www.citychurchlagos.com City Church. Love Jesus. Love people. Love Lagos. <laughs>